happy Friday night. Today is February 4th, 2022. Uh, we are back at it for another episode of Across the Pitch. I am your co-host, Mike Barrera. Of course, uh, as always, uh, my co-host, Dave Miller. Dave, how are you doing tonight yep. on this Friday evening? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Yourself? Good, man. It's Friday. It's been a long week. Oh, um, yeah. Just kind of settled down. We had a preseason game yesterday, so that's kind of good to kind of get the, the vibes going before the, the yep. soccer officially kicks off in a matter of you know 20 some days um but we have a lot to talk tonight uh before Absolutely. we bring on our guest jose i want to do the sponsors just get them out of the way real quick and just get into the nitty-gritty here so of course as always our first sponsor is manscaped get 20 percent off manscaped with uh 20 off rather with free with the shipping code aat birds and manscaped.com we have odds jam the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits you can use an arbitrage calculator and more OddsJam.com. Check out Statement Games, the newest um, and most fun way for fantasy sports entertainment. And you can win gift cards and prizes. It's free to sign up at StatementGames.com. Lots of watches are on this list. The, uh, a brand new assortment of watches that you can check out at AAT Birds with the promo code for 10% off at checkout. And then lastly, our shop with the AAT Sports Network. You can get our gear. Shirts, cups, mugs, hoodies, all that fun stuff. Um, so, again, that's our sponsors. Wrap that up real quick. I'm going to yeah. bring on our good buddy, Jose Nunez, on to talk some of uh, his thoughts on the preseason and the union. Jose, man, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm excited. I uh, always appreciate the opportunity to come in and jam myself into conversations. And quite frankly, uh, how fortunate we are, right, to have our Philadelphia Union back in a midweek scrimmage where, frankly, it was all about fitness. But ultimately, it's so nice to see the boys in blue back. Yep. Uh, well said. I mean, it feels weird to kind of talk about soccer again, you know, considering the season just ended what feels like, you know, yesterday, just a couple of, yeah. about a month and a half ago now. Uh, Dave, how are your thoughts? Like, you know, you, we've had the game now. What What is your uh, overall thoughts after their, their performance? I mean, obviously, it's always nice to see that. I mean, you come out of a preseason game unscathed. I know uh, Sergio had to come up before half time, but uh, Jim just sort of said, look, he, it was cramped. There was no point, you know, chucking him back out there for another two minutes. We'll take him off now. He's played 40 minutes. So, again, it's always good again, as I said, to get out there, get some good fitness. But I think, again, another big pro is, is and again, this is where, you know, players like Jack McGlynn and Quinn Sullivan sort of got their, like, you know, their, wet their appetite for first-team football last year. Like, you know, playing 15-year-olds in pre-season friendlies. I mean, it's always good to see young academy homegrown players coming through and, Again, that's always a positive like in a pro preseason. You get you allow the younger players to become more familiar, which was obviously great to see. Yep, exactly. I mean, it like you said, it just you know a lot of promise now after those first uh, ninety minutes are in the book. Jose, you were able to watch. Uh, the game from start to finish. So that's one big reason why we had you on. Dave and I are both tied up with, with work. So <laughs> you you are the expert of the preseason game so far. What are your thoughts? Anything particular that stood out for you? Anything that maybe was a disappointment for you in the in that first uh, the first match? You know, for for the record, uh, I do I do have a full time job, so I, I, I do actually <laughs> work. <laughs> As, uh, yes. I, I must admit, you know, I was um, I was watching it kind of on the side as I was completing some some data work that I needed uh -huh. to get done. So. Yeah. Uh, 
certainly listening. And, and you know, what was yeah. really exciting was just seeing that high press early on with Santos and Carranza really linking up in what could be, I think, a really dynamic duo of the Philadelphia Union this year. And, you know, plug and play some other names with uh, obviously someone who we're really excited to see, though, probably went back to Denmark to get his visa started and done with Michael Ua. Um, or maybe a Corey Burke, uh, though he's more of a <laughs> of a tree waiting to just yeah. have something something hit his head. But ultimately, some really <laughs> exciting stuff to to watch. Uh, as I'm looking at my notes about the game, uh, again, the the importance of this game was just very very low uh, and, and frankly little. I think it was all about fitness. Obviously, we we were missing a lot of players with Klesnis. Uh, Jamiro is still not back quite yet, or uh, probably still working on some stuff with his family, I'm sure, and, and getting him, getting him into the country. And Baizo, uh, on his way back now, uh, mm-hmm. having been defeated over uh, uh, Thursday, I think, or was it was it that same Friday? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was, just, it was yeah, yesterday, yep. Mm-hmm. So, long way to say, uh, we were missing some, some key players, though it was still a really strong side. And I think as we'll talk later on on the show, it's just how deep this team suddenly feels, right? Yep. After we see the the legs of the Glynn and uh, baby Aronson or, or Aronson 2.0, <laughs> hopefully uh, just really fill in and, and just give us some depth that we weren't expecting, uh, you know, to think that <laughs> Martinez um, – I, I frankly didn't even miss him because everybody else was doing yeah. well with Bueno and McGlynn. And, and sure, when Martinez came in, he was a little rusty and maybe still working in his head like he was with the national team and not quite getting his passes in or, or back to that style of play. It was still really good to see some of those some of those faces. Um, I think if you're thinking about winners and losers of this match, I, I for my notes, certainly getting Carranza up and running is incredible, right? What a, what a great thing to do at, at a minute 52. I think the, the goal was uh, really, really yeah. early on. If, if you weren't paying attention or you went to get a glass of water, <laughs> you probably missed <laughs> it, uh, which is, which is a bummer. Um, but getting him going is going to be incredibly important. And uh, again, I think, as I'm sure with Dave, we'll talk about the the most recent news and and coming into the league potentially, or or as Tom Bogert said of uh, uh, on Twitter, more than likely now with the Chicago Fire doing some more spending, mm-hmm. just how savvy we are with as the Philadelphia Union with our purchases and yeah. our GM just being probably the. The, the the most savvy worker of, of a budget and um, <laughs> getting a six million dollar player for nickels and dimes honestly yeah. so um, to see Carranza going was great I thought Stu Finley played very very well as a center back as great. well I uh, certainly miss our our other running tree that is Elliot but ultimately mm-hmm. he was I think just off on the sideline doing some fitness um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Morgan. I can't remember her or pronounce her last name correctly. Tranksa. I think she had some mm-hmm. some wonderful pictures uh, of the awesome. training sessions and yeah. certainly the social team over at the union, seeing him getting some running. Um, again, Bueno, incredible first half that he had, uh, a little rusty, but ultimately I think he is really starting to cement himself as a potential player for the union, especially with probably what he wasn't expecting and playing uh, a huge role at the tail end of the season against the New York city FC team, obviously due to the COVID uh, outbreak or whatever that was at the end of the season. 
But yeah. when you think about losers, and and I think Dave talked about it briefly, ah oh man, how rusty Sullivan looked. Every single time he touched that ball, it felt like Bedoya touched it, and that everything <laughs> slowed down. And he's supposed to be a fast, slick thinking guy and ultimately mm -hmm. every time he touched it it was a negative pass and it wasn't even like a negative pass to to retain possession but just something out of desperation so well wow. it felt it felt really odd to watch that from him but ultimately just i think again it was all about fitness especially against uh <laughs> what many are dubbing uh, uh a philadelphia union too and and <laughs> how weird it was to see ray gaddis and pat noonan on the other side of the <laughs> sideline uh just really bizarre scenes out in florida but um those are really my thoughts i know not super yeah. in depth but ultimately um i think maybe we'll get a better look at or a better idea of what's going to happen this season this coming tuesday i think in uh, against montreal uh yep. hopefully a live stream again um but for now i think a, a lot of excitement and i think we'll we'll talk about it a little bit further into the show um yeah so back to you yeah, I mean, just to, to note there, and also mention uh, Eric's comment that he put up while you were uh, discussing the preseason game. You know, the Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, of course, has you know poached a few of our, our our past players and coaches. So it was, you know, Cincinnati gets a good look on what their future will look like in about ten years. Um, but speaking <laughs> of our our past, you know, it, it was weird seeing Ray Gaddis out there in a different uniform. Uh, running around doing his thing. So it's great to see him back on the field, but it's certainly going to be weird adjusting to him being in a different uniform. Um, but I, I know from listening to Coach Curtin over the offseason, there was a lot of high praise on Quinn Sullivan so far. So hearing that he may have had a bit of an, you know, iffy performance, um, you know, isn't concerning yet. It's only preseason. But of course, you want to see him kind of get going because as Dave and I had alluded to uh, during last week's show, this depth chart is getting deeper and deeper. It feels like almost every single week. Like there's more players that you think can contribute to this to this team. And where does Quinn Sullivan fit in? Uh, Dave, just just I guess uh, I guess this question for you then, based off that, if this team enters the regular season and Quinn Sullivan is kind of rusty, do you think that he gets further down the, the pecking order for for substitutions? Uh, I mean, I think admittedly, I, I think he probably is. At the bottom of the sort of four attacking sort of midfield options already, I think Gaustag's ahead of him, Montero's ahead of him, and Paxson's ahead of him already. So it was already where Fulton in the fourth sort of place anyway. So I think for him, again, maybe he knows that and he's trying to do, perhaps he's just trying to do too much to perhaps show or impress Jim. I'm not really sure, but I think, again, obviously, as um, Jose said, clearly it's. it's it's the first preseason game. You can't really yeah. take too much stock in it. Maybe it's just a bit of, you know, a bit of rust he needs to get over. Who knows? Maybe he might play on um, Tuesday against Montreal, whenever the, or during the week against Montreal. And he might look really, really good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, sort of, the other flip is, is he, could he push for a starting place? So I think at the moment, uh, for him, it's just getting in the minutes. Because again, I think, what is he, 17, 18 still? He's still a kid. So, I mean, it's not. I don't think there's too much to really um, panic about at this moment in time anyway. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, with this, how strong this team is, maybe one of him and Paxton goes out on loan to another team or something for the 2022 season. We don't really know at this stage. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, again, I wouldn't worry too much just yet. 
I guess in, in a way, kind of segueing off Eric's comment, you know, we are as deep as possible. If we're, if we're worried about who is going to be the 15th, 16th, 17th guy on the bench roster, that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. And uh, certainly it, it certainly helps talking about that rather than, oh, my God, who are we, how are we going to formulate a start in 11? You know, how are we going to put together a good roster? But yeah. in terms of the offseason and the depth and what Jose has alluded to already with what he's seen on the field, Dave, you had a pretty great article that came out today regarding the offseason from the union, um, what they've done so far in the past few weeks since the season has closed. Can you share a little bit uh, your thoughts on that article that you wrote today and, and what the fans can expect by reading it? I, mean, I, think, I think obviously I started off, which is funny enough, um, alluding to Eric's comment was just how strong the depth of the team was. I think obviously last, again, obviously with the NYCFC game last year in the East, in the East Conference Final, it did show just how strong the depth of the team was. The fact that they were able to plug and fill gaps in the team where with, you know, players that weren't playing regularly and consistently. And then you had even Orion Colin, who hadn't played in feels like a decade. Yeah. He came in and was very solid, was very, very good, played very, very well. Uh, then you've got Nathan Harrell in there who has come in at points in the season and contributed. And then again, Bueno as well. I think Bueno, players like Bueno, who, you know, have barely played since they joined the union, they came in and, obviously played their role as well so I think again I think obviously started off the article was saying how strong the, the depth the team is and then sort of dove into sort of the uh, retained list and what sort of moves they made again that players like Carl Turner who you know we didn't see much of it all at all last year so again it'd yeah. be, it's good for them to either send him out on loan and have a scout go watch him weekly or you know have him just around the first team again and see where see where he is a good get a good look at another academy player then obviously keeping Jack Elliott um, who is Jose alluded to just another sort of like uh, a brick wall a, a big tree just you know who's on that pitch not just uh, you know just breaking up opposition attacks but causing havoc going forward as well with his as I know as Mike you've alluded to a lot with his, his positive play going forward so I mean yep. again that's sort of like the start of it and, that's, and then we'll obviously dive deeper into things obviously Cash believing and, you know, the Julian Carranza and Mikel Ure. And again, I think it's also very understated. I think people won't look at it as much, perhaps, but just how big of a win it was for this team to keep a hold of players like Kai Wagner and Jose yes. Martinez yes. and just how big of an impact that will have on the season. I think last year, I think a lot of people were worried when Mark McKenzie left and uh, Brendan Aronson left because they were two vital players. And you uh, People... <laughs> I, I was worried. I mean, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. I was, so, I was so worried when McKenzie and Aronson <laughs> yeah. left, and I'm thinking to myself, "How the hell are we going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how are we going to compete?" Yeah. And that's what I mean. And then again, obviously, you have that historic season. You lose arguably your two most important players, two best players, and again, people were concerned. People were worried. Oh, how are we going to actually be able to move move on? And now this year, this the opposite sort of way. They've kept hold of Kai Wagner. They've kept a hold yeah. of Jose Martinez, and just how they can continue to build the foundations what they've got, and hopefully, you know, take that next step forward, win the MLS Cup, or even just get to the final. Something you know what I mean? So I think again, it just sort of outlaid the work they've done in preseason. What I thought well, in the off season, what I thought of it essentially. For for the record, uh, the, the the game before the NYC and NYCFC game that Aurelian Colin appeared at before that one was in October of that very same year. <laughs> so, you know, just popped in as a sub. So it, it's yeah. hard to believe. And you know, I, I actually had posed a question to 
uh, Tannenwald, an incredible writer for the Enquirer. I, yeah. I recommend that if, if you're going to subscribe to any one newspaper in Philadelphia for soccer mm-hmm. news, uh, he alone makes the subscription worth it. So yes. shout out to to him and his work. Uh, but that that Mr. Colin needs to come back, whether as an ambassador, or as a coach or something. He is now cemented himself as folklore in Philadelphia after that performance against NYCFC. But, you know, Dave, you you bring up some incredible points in that of I think Jim probably looked at Tanner in the eyes and said, if you want me to stay here longer, Mm-hmm. You need to give me a roster that works. I need to keep Martinez. I need to keep Kai because I'm sure there was enough money in some of these offers to offload those two, yeah. to have a Mark McKenzie type of situation, to have an Aronson type of situation where you're taking that money and investing back into the system. But I think with all the attention that Jim was getting from Cincinnati and Mr. Albright knocking at the door saying, <laughs> hey, I got a boatload of money for you to buy players – Though Cincinnati's been bang, buying a lot of ex-Philadelphia players, I'm not, I'm not sure if the money's being actually spent quite yet. Um, I think I think push came to shove, and, and ultimately Ernst Tanner just had to make the call and say, you know what, we got to keep him. We got to keep Jim. He's I think mm-hmm. the longest tenured coach or second longest tenured coach right now in the MLS. I, I could be completely wrong in that, but it feels like it's second, one of the longest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, got to finally give him a roster that that I think as we'll continue through the show makes him a front runner, makes his team in his city a front runner to to be favorites for the MLS Cup. Yeah. Um, as I look at my notes here, I I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Dave, in that we are so competitive in every single position. And yeah. one thing to remember is we don't have Champions League this year. Uh, we're not no. competing in it. But we do have the U.S. Open Cup, which can throw a wrench into any one season. And luckily, a lot of that travel is domestic. But ultimately domestic travel within the u.s can mean further travel than international travel for the champions league so players players like the sullivans players like the birds players like the the harriels and finleys are gonna take a huge role in making sure that that's a nice long successful run and ultimately finally get us that trophy that we've been pushing for been so close at the doorstop at the doorstep many many times i'm gonna stop you jose it's not trophy it's trophies as eric puts cups multiple <laughs> not just one multiple let's make that clear real quick we want to bring cups and, tr- and titles the whole thing get everything a clean sweep of the season no uh, no and, 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 yeah and that's what it feels like right and uh-huh. and i think we can all agree that we have that type of depth that we see in europe when you have these teams competing in multiple competitions and trying to have long deep runs into where it's always the next man up type of mentality so this is again i can't believe that our little all Philadelphia union is feeling this optimistic going into the season. And frankly, all we did was keep players and upgrade one position. And we feel like a million bucks. It's unbelievable what one, one swap and keeping two heads uh, does. Well, it's, it's, and it's funny. So it's kind of just touch on everything you guys said and just kind of add a little bit to it. Um, I think both of you guys made excellent points here. I really don't even need to say more than that, but I think the biggest thing you saw from last season to this season is the removal of the question marks for these younger players. You no longer have that question, like, well, what kind of players Leon Flock? What kind of players Jack McGlynn or Pax Anderson? You learned so much last season that you feel a lot more confident now with knowing your roster is the way it is right now. At the same time, in terms of your forward position, you really just had Casper last year, if, you, if you're going to be honest. Jose, um, 
Corey Burke was out in and out of the lineup. Sergio Santos was in and out of the lineup. I mean, unfortunately, the, the health was the biggest issue. The availability was the biggest issue. And you bring in uh, Carranza, and that just adds <laughs> one piece to that puzzle that you thought Dava was going to be last year, which obviously never panned out. <laughs> Forgot now, about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now on, on top of all of that, you also bring in um, – you have one full season now with Daniel Gazdag in, in the lineup. So again, this is another question mark you had last year. What should we expect out of Daniel? That that question has been kind of put to rest for the most part. So you're entering the season knowing that you are so deep, but at the same time, you have so much confidence in such a young group of players. And if you were to put in, the, let's say, the first Open Cup game, Paxton, who I know I see Philly Sports Talk podcast says, you know, they, they're really high on Paxton Aronson, which is I, I completely agree. He, he's the sky's the limit for him. If you put him in the lineup with all these young players, Sorensen, uh, Matt Real, and you put him in the o- U.S. Open Cup, they're talented enough to, to advance in that tournament and save the legs of the starting lineup. Yeah. Because now you have that have that extra depth to alleviate the the the, the strain that we saw last year with the CCL run. Because you had players like Bedoya playing every single match for every single different part of that season. While in the Open Cup, maybe he doesn't play much at all. Maybe he only plays here or there, 50 minutes, 60 minutes here or there. So you have a lot of flexibility now with this roster to conserve the starters, which we all know um, Coach Curtin is very reliant on that core starting lineup. And he doesn't typically stray away from it, especially from the from the back four. And if you can give some rest to the back four and put Stuart Finley in all the Open Cup games, for example, that just that just saves Elliot and Glesses in particular for for when the playoffs come around. And that's the expectation is the playoffs right now. Um, and and just mention one thing that Eric brought up. Um, you know, it feels like we're adding Joe Blanton to the 2008 Phillies or Jay Ajayi to the 2017 Eagles. It's those final pieces to the puzzle that just kind of make the team a little bit more complete, even if it is just one player, even if it is just for one position, that the depth you have now is um, is certainly a, a difference maker. But the Jose, yeah. alluding to that a bit, you know, the biggest sign, of course, is Mikael Ua to the roster. What were your overall thoughts when he was signed, the news started coming out, and now that he's officially part of the union? See, Philadelphia Union Twitter is just such an interesting thing to, to touch <laughs> and observe. I don't, I don't usually delve into it too much. I, you know, again, the the ten waltz of the world, the the Bogarts of the world, who comment here and there, and ultimately they're probably the only ones you really need to listen to outside of uh, uh, us across the pitch soccer show. Make sure you follow, <laughs> like, subscribe, all the things above. Hit the hit the bell, whatever the kids right. say on YouTube anymore. <laughs> um, it's, it's really interesting. You know, there's a lot of excitement behind the man. And, and ultimately, you know, uh, he's done wonderful things in his home country for, uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Bromby. Um, yeah. um, that excites me. Um, and ultimately, again, back to the comment of how savvy we are with the money uh, yeah. for, as we'll talk about, the, the Douglas Costas of the world, the insignias of the world out in Toronto, and all these other names that are coming in with uh, Shakiri. <laughs> My God, the type of money that's being dropped on these players just doesn't make a lot of sense for the MLS. and uh, Or maybe it does. I don't know. I don't want to judge. I know that I appreciate what we're doing. And we haven't really had a reason to doubt. Uh, I call him Mr. Tanner, but Ernst Tanner. We have no yep. reason to doubt him outside of our sexy season purchase that never panned out <laughs> or Davo right? out and yeah. off- offloading. Uh, I don't think he ever touched the 
the pitch outside no. of maybe no. a preseason match. Maybe I, I could be wrong. Anybody in the comments, <laughs> please feel free to correct me. But Sorry. I have no reason to doubt Urge Stanner when he's brought players like Flock into the into the picture, when he's brought in Martinez into the picture. And my gosh, to have Kai Wagner in our team and because of Ernst Tanner's research and Ernst Tanner's trust and, 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 you know, obviously network, whoever the hell he wants to bring in, I'm fully behind. I, I can trust the man. And I almost want to say, give the man a five, six, 10 year contract. Cause at this point <laughs> he's making us as consistent as they, as it can be. So um, super excited. Uh, I appreciate everything that Shavilko did. I think it, it was right. It was time for him to move on as, as much as I liked seeing him around the King of Prussia area with his lovely wife and son. <laughs> it, I think the Philadelphia union needed to move on from a streaky striker when in reality we need one or two options that are not necessarily consistent, but maybe interchangeable that when one's going through a streak, the, 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 the other one could kind of sit and get, gain his momentum again. So long way to say that, I think we fixed that problem and hopefully those around him can also perform at the level that he deserves and um, you know, back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Well said there. Um, you're right with Tanner's uh, you know, current, current resume of players he's bringing in besides maybe two or three, he's hit on majority of the players, whether even, even if they're just serviceable players, he's, he's definitely certainly proven that he's got an eye for talent and he can bring in somebody. I think at this point, you have to trust him. There's no, there's no other reason not to trust him um, and, and what he's been able to do. And, and, and it also, it brings you a lot of promise. You have such a young group of players. If you know he can surround these people with talent, I mean, the sky's the limit for how long this team can stay as a contender. Um, and uh, I want to pull up Eric's comment here on the page here. That's a far better thought on Casper than the Union Facebook and Twitter. Also, Tanner Light, which is true. There's a lot of people who who were kind of down on Casper. Dave and I talked about this last week. Yeah. You know, whether you didn't like him or you did like him, he was still a very important part of this franchise, and he was still crucial in the CCL run. Um, and he was crucial at times in that playoff push last year because let's not forget we were in ninth place at one point or just outside the playoff picture at the end of the CCL run, and then we came right storming back into it. But in terms of the lineups, uh, the potential lineups we have in place, Dave and I had talked about this. Briefly. I was going to say, really um, yep, go ahead. I'm sorry, go, ahead. go back into that yep. the uh, whole Casper Nua thing. So, Casper Nua, I think it, it was probably the one. Obviously, as I said, it was one that is the typical Ernest Tanner sort of savvy move. But again, this is where the union differed to these other teams. You know, again, the Chicago Fire, LA Galaxy, NYC FC, where these guys come out and they spend tens of millions of pounds and dollars on top South American players or they go into Europe and find these 30 plus year old former like very strong players. The union is sort of on the other sort of flip side of things. They go off, they look at them, um they look at the top divisions of sort of the lesser leagues and or the lesser countries in Europe, you know, Denmark, your Norway's, your um Hungary's obviously with Gazdag and Ua. And it, again it sort of shows just how great the scouting network is. But again it sort it definitely shows the big contrast in the way in which the union work, which Again, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting way to uh, way in which they work. Um, again, hopefully as well. I think hopefully I'm going to preach patience for Uar as well. I think a lot of fans are going to yes. be expecting him to hit the ground running. He's got to score ten goals in his first ten games. Arise as a flop. No, Gazdag took time to adjust to the league. The MLS is a different league to Europe. Players are going to take time to adjust. We saw it with Gazdag about three months in last year. It was, do the union need to move on from Gazdag already? <laughs> he's coming. He's coming mid-season 
off the back of the Euros where he got injured and he's had a slow start. Okay, okay, so be it. Let the guy take his time. And as we saw the season yeah. go on, he just got better and better. And I think now, obviously, it was difficult at times last year when he had players like when it was Shabir on his own up front because. Again, this isn't a slight to Kasper, but he is sort of a one-way striker. He has the ball at his feet and you give the ball to him in the box. That's what Kasper, that's what you do with Kasper. Now you've got Carranza and Nua, who are both probably a bit more pacey. There's so much more he can do with the ball with behind them in terms of feeding the ball to them and working alongside them. So again, hopefully that will open up Gazdag's game more. And then obviously looking at Casper, obviously, I think, as we said, is a very divisive figure. A lot of Union fans didn't like him, but I think... <laughs> The way, oh, I think that's probably an understatement, but we, the way that fans perhaps don't look at it is, is that Casper was the forward at the time that brought the union from this fourth, fifth, sixth seed yep. to contenders. He was that goal scorer that, you know, that 10 plus goal season goal scorer that took the union from this, ah, they might win a playoff game if they do good for them to support Shield winners, CONCACAF Champions League semi finalists. And I think that doesn't get played and that sort of isn't looked enough of just how important he was I personally would have kept him this year I don't think them moving on from him was perhaps you know this big need I thought perhaps they could have kept him alongside Uwa and Carranza and you know perhaps if he is that second striker alongside Uwa and you know Carranza comes in for Casper sort of you know they sort of rotate with one another maybe I think that might have worked because again I think Casper still had um, still could contribute he was the sort of striker that you give him a chance, he'll take it. He might be anonymous for 89 minutes, but he'll pop up at one moment in the game and he'll score. We saw it so often last year. We've seen it so often throughout his union career. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what it's like to actually have a player like Shakiri in that team where they're going to constantly be creating opportunities for him inside the box. And I think that was the biggest detriment to the union last year was the fact that they were so hesitant to create things. They were so hesitant to try that, to try different things. You know, they get the ball in positive positions and they'll be like, Oh, I don't want to make a mistake here. So if I just we pass the ball around in a circle for three minutes and lose the ball, we haven't taken a risk. And I think that when having a player like um, Shakiri there, who I think, mean, be realistic, he's going to come into this league and he's going to think he's the dog bollocks and he's going to think he's he's the guy. So of course he's going to you know he's going to you know oh, it might be a detriment to Shakiri, but he's going to come and he's going to try and you know, create stuff. He's going to try and yep. show that he's this big star. So I think, again, net might work in Casper's advantage where he's actually going to have a guy that's constantly going to be feeding him the ball in the box if he does play with Kim out. So I think, again, it could end up being, that could be a very positive move for Casper. And I think, personally, I'm going to miss him. I think he should be in the ring of honour at some point. Maybe it's after he's retired or, because I don't think it could be uh, stated enough just how important he was for this franchise in terms of going from, essentially pretenders to contenders to potential yeah. champions. I think he was that needle mover. For the for the FIFA Ultimate Team junkies, uh, I'm not one of them, but I know there's many of them that maybe listen to, uh, you know, we talk about what Ua can really do and, and how he differs from Shavilko. He can really stretch that field. You yes. know, looking yes. at some statistics from FIFA, <laughs> again, not that it's the, the marker, he's a tad slower than Santos, and we know how fast yeah. Sergio is. <laughs> you know, he is the probably one of the fastest players I think I've ever watched uh, with and with and without the ball. That to hear that that's there with maybe better finishing and actually ultimately better finishing than him 
that excites the hell out of me. So yeah. again, I think Shavilka was the right stepping stone. I think Dave phrased it perfectly. It was just time to move on. And, and right. I think we appreciate everything he did. It, it was just next step, you know, yeah. finishing third, fourth, fifth is not what we want to do. And he moved to this a little bit further onto where we want to be. Um, and hopefully Ua gets us to that trophy that we so yeah. much desire. I think well, as well, I, go ahead, go ahead. I think as well, what's also exciting to see is, you know, we're going to have, um, what's it called? You know, two, like, you know, two strikers who obviously I think, uh, Jim said yesterday that Karan's a press type of the pitch and he looked very positive and he, he actually looked like he had pace. I think again, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I don't think people realize how important or how big it's going to be for the union in terms of their style of play, how they utilize their high press this season. Having two players at UR and Carranza, hopefully that is the sort of the strike partnership where, you know, how that can help with the high press. It can allow the team to push further up the pitch itself. Having two quicker strikers, you know, and it also help players like Jamiro Montero and Gazdag. Having quicker players, you know, to get in behind, stretch the, as Jose said, stretch the defenders. And then you, we can play more balls in behind. You can be more creative what you do. I think that could really help the union going forward. Um, but again, as I consistently say, they lack a plan B. This team really lacks a plan B in terms of can they switch to another formation? Can they bring on the player to try and change the game if it's not with formation is not working, if they're losing? I still think they need a pacey, quick, skillful winger who, you know, the team's losing 1 0 with 20 minutes to go, change the shape, chuck him on, try and stretch the game a bit more. I think that's the one thing this team really lacks. And if we saw it at points last year, and it would just, you know, and it, you know, when being a goal down, you're having to, you know, face a big defensive block, having to watch Ali Bedoya and Leon Flack on the wings trying to, you know, <laughs> get down the sideline and putting across. It's sort of like, you know, it's just it's seen over and over again. It's like the definition of insanity, having a quick pacey player. I think as Mike alluded to, I think Marvin last week or the week before, having a Fafa Pico out there, you know, just oh, a player I that missed, is quick. Mm-hmm. Just quick, can stretch the game, run at defenders, put on their toes. You know, I think again, they need something like that that can you know change things, change things. I'm I'm willing to bet a beer, uh, probably a few beers and a few pizzas that we will see a formation where our uh, our wingers will be Santos on the left, Carranza on the right, and Ua oh, up top no. to really have some pace and have some skill. So then we drop, and I think. Again, you know, Ring of Honor, sure, we talk about, you, you mentioned Casper. Um, I question that, and that's, okay, that's, you know, different minds can can defer, and that's fine. Uh, but I think this is the season where Bedoya starts to maybe yes, exit uh, in a way and, and yeah. cede some of that time to the future of the Philadelphia Union. Yeah. And it, I think that's acceptable, and I think and i hope that in his mind he's okay with that too because that right side is as slow as it can get um when he's on the ball so sure what he brings in that of leadership and and heart can never be replaced and i think will be very hard to replace but ultimately what he's lacking in speed is just ultimately killing us (laughs) and you know i i appreciate the bedoya lovers uh i i too appreciate him i just don't know that he is the right person for this team as we continue to move forward onto the the future and ultimately getting the multiple trophies and cups every single year <laughs> yes i think that's a great point um so you you've mentioned jonathan tannewell a few times i mean we dave and i have 
been able to work with him a little bit in the media. And he's he is as nice as he is in person as he's on Twitter. So he's definitely a great source for everything Union. But one thing that he mentioned on Twitter, I think a few weeks ago, I think somebody asked him, and this is something that Dave and I had alluded to, I think, last week or just maybe in private <coughs> conversation, was Ali Bedoya is going to start the year. It's just simple as that. He's going to be in the starting rotation to start the year. The question is, how long is he going to be a starting player? Or how long is it going to be when Jim says, I have to take him out after 60 minutes or, you know, whatever it might be. Because the problem is last year, we didn't see that. We had him playing 90 minutes into extra time, whatever it might be. Even if you played three games that week, he would still be out there. There was a, I think, Dave, there was a time, um, I can't remember what it was. There was one game in the season where we thought this is the game that Ali does not get any playing time. He finally gets some rest. And sure enough, Ali Bedoya played for like half of the game. I think it, it was the end. The near, Orlando. The, it was either Orlando or the Revolution right before he we went to the, one of the CCL games. We were like, okay, he's going to get that break. It was the Revolution because I remember Revolution. Revolution were flying high. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be the B team. And it was B <laughs> team versus B team because <laughs> yeah. they were having their own injuries with uh, – uh, Gill and, and some other players being out. Yes. So I remember that match very clearly. Oh, yes, no, okay. so, so the Atlanta game was the one where sort of like everyone was at breaking point, wasn't it? When Ali sort of Ali was terrible. Mm-hmm. I think that was sort yeah. of the breaking point game. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think the, to Jose's point, um, it, it's just a matter of when does he finally, Curtin finally kind of let, you know, let him get that rest he deserves and let the younger players get the playing time they deserve. Because we saw it plenty of times last year. We thought, God, if you just put Quinn in here, if you just put McGlynn in here, what a world of difference we can we can have if Bedoya just doesn't play the 90 minutes. Again, credit to him. I love Ali. He's a great, great person. He's always really nice in the interviews. He just seems like a great captain overall. But age, you know, what is it called? The uh, father time is, is you know, undefeated kind of thing. He, eventually, yeah. it always catches up to all of us. So I certainly want to see uh, him take a, a little bit of a backseat. But to Jose's point and to Dave's point here in terms of the lineup, Last year, very, very briefly, I think it only happened one time, we did see Jim Curtin go with Santos, Burke, and Casper all in one shot. I think it might have only happened one or two games at the most. And, of course, these guys are going in and out. You're describing desperation. Exactly. So when you think think about it, and, and, again, Jim is very set in his ways with certain things. Going to the Christmas tree was something that was a bit shocking for a lot of us. Like, oh, wow, he's finally kind of adjusting. I think, to Jose's point, I think what he had last year with Corey, Casper, and Sergio wasn't the right fit for having all three of them on the pitch with Casper essentially playing the 10. I think now with the current lineup you have, if you did play Ua, Carranza, and Santos, that would be a far better trio than what we saw last year. So I don't rule out some sort of weird formation if we're in a pinch, if we're down a goal, whatever it might be. Um and as Eric says, you know, I can guarantee Bedoy is on his way out. Um, <laughs> waiting for the thing to pop up on my screen. I bought his jersey. That pretty much seals the deal. So, Eric, seal the deal. See you later, Bedoya. Uh, so, don't buy any UA jerseys, uh, Eric, please, for the love of God. Not at least until 10 years down the road. <laughs> um, but so, I, again, I think I think the, the formation could change. Also, yeah. one thing in particular that we discussed last week was – what happened to Leon Flock? So the lineup that we talked about, Jose, last week was the, the usual back four. Then you have the diamond of Jamiro, Daniel, Ali, and Martinez. And then, of course, uh, Mikael and Carranza or Santos up top. 
So where does Leon Flacco? We've heard left back. We've heard replacement for uh, Martinez. We've heard Martinez being up, moving up the pitch. How about Bueno? Where does he fall in the picture? How about Sorensen? How about Matt Real? Out of if you if you go with that starting lineup of the eleven players I mentioned, who is your top three bench guys off off the bench? I mean, with how much of a cluster is and how much you don't want to take Leon off the, off the pitch. He's such a big playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, I, I actually even, and maybe I'm, I'm being ballsy in saying this, but um, I don't, I don't even know if Montero is a guaranteed starter, to be honest with you. I, I think his place in that lineup is very questionable considering the talent that's there already. And ultimately the, the balance that flock brings onto that team defensively. I think we saw flashes of Martinez as an offensive player, not a shooter, <laughs> but taking on players uh, out on the right wing. Um, can't remember the game specifically, but he had that incredible run on the sideline mm-hmm. from the right side that he beat one or two players and then put the ball across and, I think Casper finished it. It was the Orlando game at home. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, yes, yep. that was yeah. The only yeah. player that can do that in this team, it feels like. Long yeah, because I think he's the only one who's got the – to actually – Cajones. Yeah, to want to take some of these players <laughs> on. So it's, I, I think it's – I think it's our second – now second highest paid player is potentially a bench player. That's a that's a question that I think Ernst Tanner needs to answer and that yeah, of Jamiro. Yeah. I don't know that he's a starter. But that, again – illustrates how fortunate we are to have the lineup that we have where i think (laughs) you look at other teams across this league and you think wow that is dreadful but that frankly was the union six seven years ago when danny mwanga was our best player or god we were so desperate we were bringing in freddie adu to be a splash and and jersey sale so (laughs) um yeah you know it's it'll be really interesting but uh, i'm i'm really high certainly on on mcglynn my god being at those playoff games and and throughout the season with my season tickets when I could make it, the kid can ball. You know, he he is foregoing college to be at the level that he is for a reason, and he shows it. So I would say McGlynn, probably one of the, the, the top. Certainly Bueno, who also I think has shown flashes when he's finally the, given the opportunity to flash. Uh, I think that's yeah. one of my biggest uh, – Uh, concerns this season i really hope jim starts using subs it's not like they cost money um so i would say bueno and then i'm interested to see because i think this is the make or break season for burke i don't i don't know that he comes back unless he has some sort of stellar season there's there's no reason to keep him otherwise uh, another roster spot and and unless he is considered a, a an up and down Philadelphia Union 2 and Philadelphia Union player, which I don't think he wants to be. Um, no, not at so this I'm, point. I'm in intri- yeah, no, and I'm intrigued to see because the man is gigantic. I walked next to him going into the, the stadium after, you know, practices that he wasn't able to participate in. It's just he's an international player that needs to play. Uh, and sure, it's Jamaica, but ultimately – I feel like he needs to really show up this season. Otherwise he may be looking somewhere else, much like Fontana or other players that I think we've shifted around the league uh, in that of Fafa and whatnot. Yeah. I, I, it's funny because, you know, Corey does just offers. I mean, as, as tall as and skinny as he is from afar, he's also extremely strong and he can really sure. muscle his way into, into, into the defense and, and kind of push his way. We saw it plenty of times this season. So, 
you know, we, we were talking about it as, as well last week. It's like, what happens to Corey Burke? Somebody that we were so excited to see come off the bench, kind of bring that extra bit of grit and strength. And, um, and he plays his heart out every single time. So, I mean, he, he's just a great bench asset to have. But if you are going to have Carranza and, and Uwa there, and Sergio, after seeing his year last year when healthy, is arguably one of the best sparks we have off the bench. You know, where does Corey fit in that? And then plus, again, everybody else underneath him that could, could rotate the lineup and, and kind of take take his playing time. Uh, but actually, Jose, you reminded me of something that I forgot to ask you about the preseason game. So there was a small bit of hype over Darbo, the uh, the young U2 player who was out there. Any thoughts on him? I, I know people were kind of excited to see what he, what he had. I know he's like the future, basically, a couple years down the road for us. Yeah, unbelievably fast, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, you think of Asanto's being really fast. This young guy is incredibly fast himself. Um, touches were good. Um, I must admit, I was back and forth between a Zoom call and, and some data work I was doing. <laughs> so what I caught, I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know that, as you alluded to, I don't know that he's part of this roster just yet. No, um, no. Yeah. He very much will be a practice player that just goes down and gets minutes with the Philadelphia Union too. And, and God, I wish they would just call him Bethlehem Steel again to make it easier on all of us. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know they actually had their first preseason game last night. I believe they had, had a good, they had a good turnout for their preseason game. Uh, no, so Darbo, I think he's only about sixteen years old, if I if I remember correctly. He's a pretty young kid, uh, but I've heard, like I said, you know, the speed. He seems to be um, playing above his age group for sure. Uh, we saw some nice highlights from him last year. So, I think if you're looking 2023-24 Philadelphia Union roster, his name has to come into that conversation down the road. Um, but again, if if there are injuries, if the Open Cup, um, if the Open Cup has you know availability, maybe we see him on the bench for something. So it, it's it's someone to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. But in terms of the uh, the schedule, so I know the schedule opens up on February twenty sixth. Jose, you're going to be at the game that day. I I am. I, I must admit my my appearances to the stadium will probably start a slow, slow down come July. We're expecting our second child. So I, I think my hands will be pretty busy. <laughs> Thank you. My hands will be pretty full uh, July and August, but certainly as we turn into September and October and, and hopefully further into the season, I hope to be there. But yeah, I'll be there. I actually have a group of 12 of us going for the 26th so we're go. gonna have a, a nice get together section 140 will be up and jumping and singing and probably cursing um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I'll, i will be there as well i should be getting my media pass for that i know dave will be on watching the game as well from afar uh we so we start off with um, minnesota and then we go to Montreal and San Jose. And then after that, we go to NYCFC for a little rematch there and back home for Charlotte and Columbus. So we're not, we won't go into the whole schedule. We could be doing this all night. But just for those first six games, we have Minnesota, Montreal, San Jose, NYCFC, Charlotte, and Columbus. What game intrigues you the most? What game are you most worried about to start the season? I know Eric's also 140. There's a little 140 shout out right there from Eric. Uh, so you guys can dupe together there. Um Dave, your thoughts on those first six games as it's only now a couple weeks away. No, I mean, obviously, it's not too bad of a start. I mean, again, Cincinnati, again, Cincinnati, sort of in the opening sort of stretch isn't terrible. Um, again, obviously, Minnesota, it's interesting. The first two home games are against teams in the Western Conference. And obviously, they probably been decided last year, in which they 
I think me and Mike, I remember me and Mike discussing that game. I think that's probably one of the tougher pills to swallow in terms of games they did lose last year. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the games we look you'd look at and think they didn't deserve to lose. And they I think all three goals came from obviously terrible. I think, I think they lost three two last year, wasn't it? In I Minnesota, think all three goals were, yeah, yeah, it was like three two. I think it was like the final second, right? I can't remember exactly the score now. Uh, it, it but, was uh, infuriating. I, yeah, all okay, the goals are just woeful. Um, I think that's putting it nicely. Again, I think the home game is all quite favourable because, I mean, yep. again, they got a good record against the Columbus Crew last year at home, and then you play a debuting team at Charlotte. So, again, I'm really, I mean, maybe this comes back to bite me. I can't really see Charlotte being a big threat in this first year. It's probably be like, like any other sort of expansion team year where they just sort of find their feet, pick up a win when they can. Not going to really make a dent in the season. I think, yeah, the two road games are sort of the big ones. Montreal, a bit of a uh, sticky team for the Union last year, I feel. They went. And then, obviously, NYCFC, a bit of a rubber match, a bit of a, uh, you know, a, bit of a grudge match after last year's Eastern Conference Finals. That could be a bit of an interesting one, especially after the, uh, you know, the get, one of the games they had at Subaru. Well, the two well, two of the games last year, they were red cards and all sort of kicked off a bit. So, again, that I think that March 19th one's going to be a really big one for... I think for all Union fans, I think that'd be the one that sort of checks off that sort of first six games where they, you know, really want to win, try and get revenge. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Jose? Any 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 kind of thoughts on those first six games of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at these first six, and I can frankly envision the Union walking out of there with full points. Uh, I, I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. Though you know that March nineteenth day, playing on that Mickey Mouse field in New York <laughs> is. is <laughs> Is, is the ghost that has haunted really the entire MLS, if not certainly the Philadelphia Union. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see how the team figures that one out because ultimately I think at some point um, we're going to have to win there when it matters most. Uh, hopefully it's it's not anytime soon. Hopefully it's yeah. never that <laughs> they don't have home field advantage. And frankly, it would be criminal for the playoffs to be played in a baseball field. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I, again, I, Charlotte, another really interesting team where we could see them finally get their first win after losing their first four. And we are the the ones who <laughs> give up the, the, their first three points or maybe a draw. Mm-hmm. And then we come back to the drawing board and say, well, damn, two points that would have probably set us off to a, a different spot within the table. So yeah. um, Columbus is always really tough. You oh, know, yeah. that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a good, consistent team. Luckily, it's here with us uh, right away before we go there later on in the season. Um, but March 19th and April 2nd are the ones that I worry about the most. Sure, Montreal and what in Minnesota, I don't know about enough about the Quakes, and frankly, I'm not too worried about them to you know pay too much attention, as, as awful as that sounds. But uh, no, I get that. Yeah. An interesting, interesting start. I think you have to worry particularly about the Charlotte game is the letdown <laughs> spot. You think, okay, you have you let's say for example, you go to NYCFC and you pull off the win at Yankee Stadium, right? So you're coming off back home off this huge high and you're looking at your schedule and you think, I have to face Columbus in a week. Do you get up for that match against Charlotte as much, having maybe lower expectations with them? So that that could be that could be a game that causes those problems simply from the way it's sandwiched in between those two really big conference uh, conference games. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I think this this metaphor will will probably stick with both of you. And I said it earlier on Twitter in a way, but like 
that that March 19th game is the perfect the perfect comparison to going on a cold rainy night at Stoke City. You know, it's that <laughs> it's that it's that game that's ugly. It's that game that's physical. It's that game that's on a field that just doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's it's very much that shit. Sorry, okay. I don't mean that. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Away, okay. We've like, said worse. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm thinking to myself, shit. This is the game that's gonna make us drop three or drop two. Uh, yeah, that yeah. March nineteenth game, and and yeah, it's 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 that cold rainy night in Stoke City. I mean, I yeah, think go so. Ahead. It's good. Yeah, I mean, again, obviously you alluded to earlier. I mean, like, I think you might can we going into the Charlotte game, and you know, last year the Union did start very slow. I mean, I think it took what, like four games to win, four or five games to win their, or maybe not three, three or four games to win their first game. It took them ages to win at home that first league game at home. If they go to that Charlotte game, you know, they. They've got you know got two points from their first four games and they've struggled they've struggled to you know pick up any momentum. That Charlotte game is going to be huge because I mean yes. they go into that game at home, lose drop points in that game, fail to win that game, and I think not to say then fans perhaps might you know start to panic a bit. I mean again this is meant to be a team where you know there's title aspirations for this team and then if you're you know you're dropping points to a poor San Jose Earthquakes team, you're failing to beat a kickstart team in Charlotte then I mean obviously the reactionary fan the people people on social media will be like oh shit maybe we aren't that good this year do you know what I mean and again that can dent confidence I think if they that game is going to be huge it could you know it, again it could help you know maybe the union do start quick this year you know the full games and being that could be a statement game for them as well you know put three or four past them statement of intent or it could go the other way and so as it was saying you know lose Charlotte and then sort of all hell breaks loose and we're just staring into the pit of despair. I mean, it could go one or two ways or, you know, a, a, you know, a shitty one they'll win and you just, you know, move on to the next one. Who knows? But I think it's gonna be that could be a big game in terms of how the rest of the season is looked at. Well, I think to Eric's point, I mean, Jose, you know this from probably going to the home openers over the years. The Union don't exactly start off their, their seasons very well for the most part. Uh, I've been to plenty of home opener losses, um, bad performances. I remember, I think Eric posted actually online the 2019 game against Toronto FC, which is just bitterly cold and they play crappy. And it's just one of those games where you're just like, man, I do not want to be here right now because it's just a bad environment overall. So that is something that is certainly a concern because if you do lose, lose that home opener, then you got to travel to Montreal. If you only come out there with a draw, there is massive expectations that you come home and beat San Jose because you want to start off the season at least with you know four points to start in the first three weeks. Uh, so it could be, it could it could be tough sledding for the Union. And then if you do for whatever reason only draw against San Jose, now you got to go to NYC, NYCFC and try to pull off a win there. So you really, as Dave alluded to, go into that Charlotte game possibly with a massive pressure building around you to pick up a win, to, to earn some points. Um, but I think that kind of goes to the last thing we should discuss tonight before we run extra, extra late. What are realistic expectations for this team? What are realistic expectations for players like Mikael Ua uh, or Carranza or anybody else in the lineup? Uh, as Dave, I think, posted on Twitter the other day for Jim Curtin's press conference, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Curtin compared Carranza to Castellanos, Right. Tati. Is that, is that who he compared him to? Was it Carranza? Let me quickly have a go find. It might have been 
Because I, 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 I know he compared him to somebody, and if once Dave finds that, he can kind of correct me or confirm what I'm Sorry, saying. But there's a lot of expectation. We want Mikael to be this 45-goal-a-year scorer, right? So this amazing guy. Jose, I want to push it to you while Dave looks for that for that tweet. Realistic expectations for this club, and what would you consider be a successful or failing season for the Philadelphia Union? I mean, to be honest with you, we have not finished below third if I am remembering correctly, and I'm doing a lot of clicking here, but I don't think we finished <laughs> below third since 2018. Yep. So it's really hard to expect any less than that. Agreed. So Agreed. I think there's also a lot of moving pieces to be figured out, right? Does New York City lose Castellanos in some sort of sale? Uh, and who else within the Eastern Conference, you know, who, who else is selling, who is, is buying, uh, and what does that look like? But ultimately, I, I think it's fair for us to expect we we were at the doorstep of the MLS final, and what really brought us down was an outbreak of COVID. So, I think it's real. I'd be hard pressed to expect anything less than second or a supporter shields finish, and then ultimately making it to the semifinals again. And if 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 you know push comes to shove, losing that game by one or in penalties, uh, I think that's the least I can expect. And obviously, I think we all would love to see a championship won. Uh, I certainly don't have a lot of hope or expectations for the U.S. Open Cup, and I'm intrigued to see how Tanner feels about that tournament. I think that's going to be very much a, a tool for him to develop academy players and yes. youth and talent, yes. which is okay. I think that's what high quality teams do and i think we are turning into one of those if not already so i think we'll shift our focus to the league and and again a semi-final loss and penalties or us going to the mls championship match and winning it that's that's the least i can expect um we again are so savvy with our purchases and bringing mikhail ua and Carranza for again pennies to the dollar of what he's worth certainly his salary is a different story but really his transfers fee is obviously negligible so yeah i think i think we retained and we picked up what we needed and we were pretty set last year it's just unfortunate that it was against our it it wasn't self-harm that that brought us down but rather something that was just uncontrollable so that's kind of how what I expect for this season, and just so incredibly excited to be there on the twenty sixth and and throughout the season. Yes, absolutely. And Eric put, uh, puts in his comment here. You know, he's he wants the cup, the three which we we've seen we've seen three Open Cup finals now, two of which I was at, which were just hard to watch. Um, you know, do you put the you know the quote unquote B team in in that Open Cup? And see how far you get, and then switch to your A team if you do. If you do have a chance to win the the, the cup that year, um, but I think you're right. I think all focus has to be on the MLS Cup. It has to be on the on the big picture, the big prize, which has eluded this team. And and you know, obviously, the last two seasons you had high expectations. You had the supporter shield year. You lose to the Revolution after you beat them about a thousand times during the season, and then last year, of course, COVID comes and kicks our ass. Uh, but Dave, were you able to find that tweet on the uh, about? Yeah. It wasn't right, Ua, it was Carranza. Yes, I'm saying Carranza, yes, yes. Mm, Car- Jim compared Carranza to Castellanos, which yeah. is a very, very interesting comparison between mm-hmm. two players. I mean, not not to you know, put a lot of pressure on a young guy who has struggled to you know make an impact in, uh, into Army of all teams. Again, not really, 
But again, obviously, it's interesting to see Jim, you know, heaping so much praise upon a player that, you know, who's only just walked through the door. So, I mean, again, it's yeah. raising a lot of people's expectations. <laughs> so, I mean, it's only, it can only go one way. Um, I'll let you guys assume which way that's going to go. But, I mean, fingers crossed. <laughs> well, Julian. I think it, I, I think that the uh, – you don't hear Curtin overly pra- praise players unless they've earned some sort of praise. We Same thing he says with, with the younger players from the academy. He typically doesn't give them time until they've earned that time. So if, if Jim does say something of that nature, the same way he compared Harris <laughs> Madunian and um, Jack McGlynn last year, he doesn't really make those comparisons too often. So I'm sure that – I mean, I guess for, as fans, that gives us really a lot of hope for him. But uh, the expectations for him – for Mikael Ua has to be similar to what we had with Gazdag last year. You cannot expect him to come into this league or into this team, this lineup, this culture, whatever you want to call it, firing on all cylinders. There has to be some sort of growing pains and and chemistry building between them. But I think to Jose's point, and Dave, I think you and I kind of agreed upon this last year and over Twitter Messenger, for me, it's MLS Cup or bust. It's MLS Final or bust. I think you've constructed this lineup and this depth and this this roster to compete at the highest level possible yeah. and if you get bumped in the first round of the playoffs if you don't even make the play if even if you make the eastern conference finals that is not progress year. that is just finishing where you were the previous season so i mean dave do you think that's a fair assessment are we kind of in agreement with that i think so yeah i think obviously i think it depends on how they do in the Open Cup as well. So I think if you end up getting to an Open Cup final, yeah. you still got decent conference finals. People look at, oh, they got to a final and things like that. But I mean, again, I think obviously going back to the Open Cup thing, I think, you know, just, you know, as you said, just chucking out sort of the like second team into that competition, I think it really just depends who you face. I think, again, if you end up playing like a Columbus crew in the first round, I don't really know how the Open Cup really works, but you end up playing an MLS team in the first round or... I can really, I could really see Jim, you know, mixing it up, not just you know, you know, playing Matt Fries and goal, but you know, Bidzo, Elliot, and Finley at the back, you know, Matt Real left back, and obviously I meant to say earlier in the show, getting re-signing Matt Real is one of the more underrated moves this window because it allows the Union gives the Union so much more depth on that left hand yeah. side, and it allows them to rest uh, rest Kai Wagner a lot more as well. I think that there's a, probably. Ernest, most underrated move this transfer this window, but um, again, I think it depends how they get on. I mean, they could probably get away playing a bench team against you know teams that aren't like USL teams, whatever. You know, one like the lower team, lower leagues in America. But I think again, if they end up playing an MLS team, I can visit. I can see Jim, you know, playing you know mixed lineups. You know, some of the stars you might play Uwal against in like in the cup. Who knows? You might play Carranza against, you know, a, strong, a decent MLS team. So I think, again, the Open Cup allows you to experiment as well, I think. It allows you to look at perhaps other formations which you might not have used in the league, but you think, OK, we can give it a go here because there's a freedom. So I think the Open Cup's a free hit. It allows you to experiment. But again, I think, as you alluded to, they need to progress on that Eastern Conference final last year. Otherwise, it's sort of, you've made the big moves, you've made the big splashes, but you're just exactly at the stage you were last year with perhaps a lesser roster and, you know, with more responsibility in the, uh, you know, the CCL. 
I just I just looked something up real quick on online about the cup. So it says it says here, you know, via Wikipedia. So I don't know how reliable you want to call it. It says eight teams have also won the double, claiming the MLS Cup and either the Supporter Shield, U.S. Open Cup, or the Canadian Championship during the same season. So the the odds of us winning two trophies this year are slim. But um, I think if you're if, as you guys have kind of mentioned a bit here, if there's the opportunity presents itself, go for it. 100% go for it. Um, see what you can bring home. Uh, Jose, as a fan for about pretty much as long as I have, if not been longer, would you say, if you won the U.S. Open Cup, are you okay with not winning the MLS Cup this year if you make it to at least the Eastern Conference Finals or the final? You know, I uh, <laughs> I can't help but feel like the Open Cup is a lesser tournament, as, as terrible as that sounds. And, and yeah. I, I think that's... <laughs> Uh, an analog or a comparison to it would be for all of us European soccer, especially uh, Prem Prem watchers, is the Carabao Cup, right? It's wonderful that Manchester City won it four years in a row, but it is not like winning the league, and it's not like winning the FA Cup, or or certainly not even remotely close to the Champions League whatsoever. So, I, I don't know that we can hang our heads on a U.S. Open Cup, especially how many times we've had the opportunity to bring that sure. silverware into uh, Subaru Park or then PPL or Talon, whatever the heck it was at the time. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I think that we should have our targets set on that cup, bringing that cup home and not of the MLS Cup. Um, I think we had a great opportunity last year with the Champions League Cup, uh, but... If that back heel by Casper would have gone in early on, oh. I think that I think that game's a little different. Um, but that's neither <laughs> here or there. Maybe, maybe just maybe we punch our tickets to compete in that competition again this year. Um, so I don't know. That's I don't I don't I don't know that I'm too upset if we win it, but I'm yeah. certainly not as happy if we would have won the the league itself. I think that's a great point by you as we kind of wrap up the show. You know, <laughs> if we do qualify for again next. For ne- uh, next year, you know, think about how daunting next year's schedule will be. But for now, we really do have our focus on one prize overall, and that is the MLS Cup uh, and league play, which is nice. And I think last year, Dave, I mean, just from covering the team, how exhausting it was covering so many matches, three yeah. matches a week. Every single week seemed to have like a Wednesday game. It was just nonstop. The season was very much nonstop. And for these players, yeah. especially, what was it? The first month, it was like, was it uh, seven seven, games in like 18 days or something crazy like that? Um, Six games. Yeah. Six games in 18 days or 19 days. I think it was. Yeah. So it's, it's certainly daunting. So it is a refreshing uh, bit of a relief to have a a more normal schedule entering this season, but uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Now we've, we've kind of going to go over an hour, but I think we've, we've discussed everything that I think a lot of fans want to talk about. Go ahead, Jose. Yeah. I want to see your final thoughts before we close up the show. Yeah, I think one thing I wanted to acknowledge and, and um, you know, bring, I don't want to say bring to light, but uh, myself as a Bolivian, extremely proud to have seen this with the um, Hall of Fame entries this year with Marco Echeverri, who should be and, and is probably a legend in the MLS or should be known as a legend in the MLS, finally being inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, the National Soccer Hall of Fame this year. I uh, grew up and actually played in the same academy that he played in Bolivia and that of uh, Tawichi, wow. which was incredibly influential in that country and certainly influential in me and my brothers as we competed within that, 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 um, 
that academy, but uh, I think he's a legend, a trailblazer for uh, the MLS and should be recognized as so. So as a, as a Bolivian, I'm extremely proud to be able to say that he is in the National Soccer Hall of Fame and just a small point of pride for, for me and something that was really awesome. touching as I was looking at who was inducted this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Dave, any, any final thoughts as well for before we close it up? Um, I mean, again, as we touched upon, I think again, it, it, this season is somewhat final or bust. I think it. I think again, you've got. I mean, again, we, you've got your striker. You've got the guy that you think, if you are in a tough spot in the playoffs, he's going to be the guy to get you through it. Well, they believe he's going to be the guy to get you through it. They've it's clearly that they've invested upon the team. Obviously, they've got Kranzer as well. Um, but yeah, I think again, it's going to be a very interesting season. It probably is. Certainly going to be the one that everyone's coming in with the most expectation for. So yep. again, it depends how the, how it's dealt upon. But yeah, I think again, it's all sort of, it has. You have to continue to improve upon year year upon year. It can't stagnate now. Otherwise, the last three four last three four years have been for nothing. If they start to regress, at, you know, start to regress at the finishing line. So yeah, I think they have to get to the final, at least emulate us, or at least you know. But perform better than last year in terms of the league, you know, actually winning away games, win, winning away league games. Yep. I think that is probably the most important thing. I think apart outside that tonight game, I think the last league win on the road was like in Christ May. It was like July or yeah, it was a long time. We had a pretty pretty bad stretch there, and that's the thing. As yeah. as as you know, successful as last year was, there, there was this bit of frustration throughout the season with the there scene. were glaring, um, there so were glaring I, issues. Yeah. A hundred percent issues that came and we saw in the final moments with, with um, Olivier kind of losing his man, those mental lapses that we, we saw time after time after time. So it's the maturity, the progression, the overall um, yeah. improvement of the franchise from top to bottom, not just the players, but the coaches, the front office taking this team from just the fifth team in Philly to a team that deserves and gets a lot of recognition as we saw at the back end of that season. But uh, Jose, uh, before I close it out, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, we love having Cheers, you on. Awesome. We were we we're going to have you on again, I promise you, uh, especially once the season kicks off. But for now, Dave, you and I, uh, we have a couple weeks to to kind of think on the season. We might have a, a show yeah. maybe next week or the week before, maybe right before the uh, the, first, the home opener to kind of preview the game and get on with it. But uh, Philadelphia Union fans, you only have a couple weeks to go before we are back in Super Park chanting and having a great time. So thank you all for joining us tonight. Have a great weekend. Dupe. Dupe. Go Union. Go Dupe Union. <laughs>